and welcome back, Flyers fans, to another edition of HW Full Circle. I'm your host, as always, Jack Smith, with my co-host, as always, Steve Ferrari. This is the home of the Metro Report, the Mass Mutual East Metro Report. I'm even going to say it now, it's home of the my old show I used to do by myself way back in the day, Flyers Therapy, is when I just like to let off some steam, and you have to unfortunately hear me now uh some around the nhl news some flyers news because we do bring it back full circle to your philadelphia flyers this is the show we'll quite frankly talk about whatever grinds our gears and you're going to hear how we feel about it all right let's jump right into it steve been kind of tough i'm just gonna say it flat out it's been really tough to follow the nhl in general for me i have but the passion is a little wavering in the sense that with the flyers being just dead in the water it, I'm really – fantasy's strung me along a little bit, you know, because I, I got a – I'm a week away from a championship in one league. So I'm like, okay, that's got me into it. But, like, every time I see or read something about the orange and black, I used to, like, you know, get pumped up. Now I just – it's pretty depressing. And now I'm seeing more and more crap about the Rangers. As you know, we're in South Jersey here. We butt with a lot of New York fans. And those of which that really don't even follow hockey are suddenly big Rangers fans. So, uh, Steve, your uh, your thoughts on this past uh, past week, really? It's brutal, man. And you're kind of echoing what I feel. It's like when the Flyers are bad and just – you just want the season to be over for them. And their, their effort and bad play, poor play night after night and just getting outplayed. I heard a stat today in the at the end of the first period of the Flyers game. It's the first time the Devils hadn't trailed after the first period in their last 10 games. It's not even being tied. It's just they haven't trailed. Like that's what our season has become. It's uh it's tough, man. Like I I still enjoy watching other games in the NHL. Um Wednesday night hockey, wh- whatever it may be, but it's it's rough, man. The the Enjoyment just isn't there right now, and I'm ready for this season to be over. But at the same time, there's nothing better than playoff hockey. So I'm hoping that gets us going again, and maybe we see some excitement. But it's uh, it's rough, man. I, I feel you. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to watching teams like, you know, the Columbus – or Columbus, the Colorado Avalanche and the, uh, the Golden Knights and yep. Toronto and these teams that actually give a shit, you know uh, – yeah, I'm going to watch some Mass Mutual East, obviously, but I'm not excited about any of those guys making some noise. As you'll see, we'll get into it. Uh, Pittsburgh's looking on the up and up, as are the Rangers. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned that stat about the Devils. It's just it's just another stat that the Flyers are involved in. Guy <laughs> gets his first game, first goal, first NHL point. Uh, if it's a goalie, he gets his first win, you know, first shutout. You know, and now the Devils have led after one. This is a horrible Devils team who they are at this time, 730 on Sunday, April 25th, 2021, with about um, four minutes and 15, 20 seconds or so in the second period remaining. They are losing to the Devils two to one. Just absolutely hysterical. Um, So let's get into some around the NHL news. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche and Minnesota. Minnesota Wild have clinched playoffs berths in the West. How about Minnesota? That's very impressive. Uh, Coyotes really, and Blues. Go ahead. I was going to say, that one shocked me. I, I didn't see Minnesota doing that. I really thought it was going to be Vegas, Colorado at the top, and St. Louis bringing up that third spot. But Kirill Kaprizov, is, he's the real deal, man. He He's unbelievable for that team, and he's carrying them. Um, they're all playing well. and uh, I mean, St. Louis has three games in hand on Arizona. 
Um, be nice to see Arizona make it maybe as a, a little bit of a new team. But if you're Vegas and St. Louis kind of squeaks their way in, I don't know if I want to face them the first round. That's that's a tough matchup. I still think Vegas comes out on top, um, but that's a, that's a tough matchup to draw in the first round. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we did our um, our predictions at the beginning of the season for the entire league. And we almost I mean, maybe not in perfect order. Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota and St. Louis were essentially everybody's across the board. I was one of the only people to pick Vegas above Colorado, which seems sacrilege at this point. But Vegas is good. Like, you know, they might they might finish above. I don't doesn't necessarily mean they're the better team. They might just be a better regular season team. However, they have a lot more playoff experience with this core group than Colorado does. Um, Minnesota is, is the surprise. We did have them, I believe me and Kyle did, I can't say Jimmy did, uh, being the fourth seed. So the fact they've already clinched and they're the third seed and the blues are the ones hanging on is, uh, is a little head scratching. But, uh, yep. like you said, Kaprizov has been an absolute stud. He's one of the reasons I'm in the championship league I'm in. <laughs> like I, you know, I took some, some friends advice and I was like, you're right. He's probably going to kill it. Uh, and I really wish I would have said uh, Calder Cup candidate. I didn't think of it at the time. Lafreniere was such an easy pick. And I was like, man, I w- wish I was different. And now it's looking like a runaway. Yeah. Um, I kind of hope Coyotes make it too. They're just that team that just the, the low market team that the, they don't have any money. Fans barely care. But the, the team always seems to care for the most part. And I like to see uh, certain guys uh, get back into the playoffs or the team really. Because they really haven't done anything since Shane Doan. <laughs> like, I mean, that's yeah. a long time. Uh, and this is without Taylor Hall, so like you know they traded for him before, and they if they I don't think they made the playoffs with him when they when they traded for him, and that was during a regular regular year I believe. Um, so to see them get in on a year like this, see the Blues kind of fall off, it would be that would be interesting. I don't th- I think they would get obliterated in the first round, but you know it is what it is. Uh, we'll move on to the Central. Uh, the top three pretty much set, and this this is another sh- shocking one, but the. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it should be Carolina, Tampa, and who's the third team? Carolina, Florida, Tampa. But Tampa's Carolina, got two, Florida, two in Tampa. hand. Okay. Carolina, Florida, Tampa. Wow. That, that uh, southeast is really shaping up both Florida yeah, teams. Right? Carolina, who's who's been very impressive. Jimmy broke out his power ranking. You see a Carolina second. I de- did not disagree with that. It's, if they made any kind of move – and I know they've had some guys come in and – make some noise but can you imagine just having like a steady legitimate goalie i mean if they had freaking brian elliott out there i think they'd be pretty you know pretty solid they'd be better off but uh they just refused and we'll see what happens but they're looking very good uh the what i meant to say was this, the fourth spot the shocker i had picked the stars in either the second or third seed uh and they're battling the national predators who i said there was a chance but the way the season started off it didn't seem like there was going to be a chance and i think the reason they didn't trade at home is because they're still in the race Long term, I think this is a bad thing for Nashville, honestly. I think they need to start selling, realize where they're at now. Uh, they didn't do that, so they might as well go for it at this point. But, um, yeah, for this season alone, good for them. I guess they're still they're able to milk a little bit left out of that team. Saros has played better than I thought he would. He didn't start off the season too well. Um, do you have the points in front of you, how close they are? Dallas is two back of Nashville, and they have two point, or two games in hand. So – it looks like at, at the very least they could tie them. Um, it, it, they could keep it close. I, I think that one will probably come down to the wire. And I, I agree with you. I think Nashville for them, this might be the worst thing they could possibly do. Cause in my opinion, Carolina, Florida and Tampa Bay are head and shoulders above the rest of the division. 
Um, I think that 14 that gets in is just uh, waiting to see who finishes first that they're going to have to go and play and probably lose to. Um, but I got to give Nashville some credit. They played well at the beginning of the year. There were rumblings of, that uh, John Hines might get fired, and he turned that team around. And they they didn't really uh, subtract any pieces at the deadline. They didn't really add any that I can think of off the top of my head. So they just kind of stayed status quo. But sometimes that kind of hurts you more in the long run than helps you. So we'll see if they get in. If they just miss, it's kind of disappointing too. And Dallas has dealt with a lot of injuries, a lot of adversity with the COVID stuff. So I expected them to be one of those top three seeds. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a cup hangover, but I, I think it's a, the top three teams, to, in my opinion, are head and shoulders above those other two. And another, and the, it's funny. I, I thought Dallas, <clears throat> like the record would be better because they just have so many names. Yep. One name is this Jason Robertson, who I picked up off of the free agents because I lost Eichel for the year. So I've been following this guy now. And he gets a point every game. He gets he just <laughs> registers a point. And like he said, a couple of goals and assists or two assists. And he is just I don't know where he came from, but he's really starting to tear it up. They've always had some other guys, very strong defensive team. Um, I think gone to my head that they will pass Nashville. It's going to be tight, but I, I, I think, agree. Um, you know, I guess technically Chicago's not really out of it, but who are we kidding? And uh, I just want to mention one more thing: Detroit, another player I have on my fantasy team, baby. Actually, I have both of them. I have Mantha and Verona, but Verona, four-goal night. And yeah. I don't think it was his debut, but still, it was it was like, hmm, wow. I know it's one game and whatnot, but if that doesn't make Capital fans kind of go, what did we just do? <laughs> Considering what they gave up, it you know, wasn't one-for-one one here. I uh, just thought it needed to be mentioned. What did you think of Verona's uh, impressive night? Uh, that I mean – he, he's he's a very skilled player. Uh, I can't say I'm shocked. And like we said last week, I I really think he's a solid player in this league. Um, he may have gotten dealt from Washington for cap reasons, RFA coming up. But I, I think Detroit, I, and I said it last week, if in a couple of years you might look back at that trade and say that's what propelled Detroit to be um, one of the better teams in the league. Getting a guy like that, and adding some picks, it, it it really looks like it's going to work out well for Detroit. I know it's a small sample size, but I've followed Verona for a while. I've had him on my fantasy team as well. So I know what he can do, and the skill is there. I think he just needed a bigger opportunity, and it looks like that's going to be uh, on the table for him in Detroit. Absolutely, yeah. So we'll see. We'll monitor that. Um, the, uh, Washington, as good as they've been, uh, they always make one trade, and I'm thinking of thinking of uh, Nashville, Felipe Forsberg. Like that, that was a that oh, yeah. rat for Forsberg. Like that was yeah. was bad because and I it's different GM. That was uh, whoever set up Vegas. I can't remember his name, um, but uh, yeah, he was running the show in Washington at the time. And they make a lot of good moves, but somehow there's always like some real head scratcher. And I know coming from a Flyers fan, that's hysterical, but <laughs> it is. I'm being I'm just being honest. Um, and we'll move on to the Scotia North division here. This is also pretty locked up. Uh, well, the first thing is Toronto's got the first seed in the bag. I mean, 48 games played, 65 points. Winnipeg in second as of now with 57 points. So, I'm, yeah, anything's possible, but this is Toronto's division. Looks like Winnipeg, Winnipeg and Edmonton are both going to make it as well. Uh, there's a little discrepancy in the fourth seed. Montreal has it right now at 49 points, but Calgary is about four points back. 
and Montreal has a game in hand. I think Montreal is able to hold them off. Calgary just, I don't know, they sold at the deadline. Like they traded Riddich, you know, like I, I can't remember who else they traded if they did. Sam Bennett. Uh, they, yeah, there you go. That's a big name right there. Sam Bennett. Uh, they just don't seem like a team. Like the, the core is probably going to be shipped out or, or so you think or something's going to happen. I'd be absolutely shocked if they like went against all odds and, you know, passed Montreal. Um, Montreal, cool. on the other hand, is playing much more like a team. They got the goaltending. If he wants, if Price really wants to turn it on, they got the defense. And Josh Anderson's starting to look like a really nice signing. Oh, um, we'll see. It's it's a seven-year deal. It's a long time. This is year <laughs> one. But that being said, he's brought a lot to this team. Uh, Flyers could use a lot of what he brings as well. Although seven years, yikes. Um, yes, that looks to be pretty set as well. Uh, I was gonna say, don't don't sleep on Vancouver quite yet. I don't think that they're gonna be have enough to make a push. But they've got. Four, five games at hand on Montreal. Um, I think they're going to end up playing a little too much hockey um, in a short period of time to really overcome that deficit, but don't count them out just yet. You take away their three overtime losses, they're a 500 team. That's yeah. crazy, and yeah. they, they're still in it. Um, I'll be I'll be I'll be shocked. Um, I think what you said is exactly what's going to happen, and we've seen it with the Flyers. They they throw that excuse at us every single chance they get, like too many games in short amounts of time. Um, you know, Demko is probably going to be the future there. Um, he's been on and off. He's looked really good and for stretches, but then he'll have like a, a stinker. Uh, Pedersen's missed a chunk of time, like a really serious chunk. I eventually had to just cut him. Like I, I held him for so long. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose the playoffs. Like I need somebody to play in his spot. So I had to cut, I had to, you know, cut ties. He's been back. I don't think he's done much of anything yet. No, uh, I, I thought, I thought he was done for the year actually. I know Eichel is. Uh, somebody picked him up when I cut him, and I, they started him against me, but he had zero points. So I don't know if maybe he was listed to play and ended up not playing. Uh, but, maybe. Yeah, but th- and the guy who picked him up was like, I'll play in the top seed because I'm the I barely made the playoffs, like, you know. <laughs> uh, and so I actually was like, I found out the league was two weeks and not one for the playoffs. I was like, oh my god, and I just dropped Pedersen for week two, thinking I won already. <laughs> but no, it's in the bag, all's well. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if he's, if he's out at also, that shows you right there to mo- their most talented offensive player. Uh, what are they going to do at this point? It's Besser and Quinn Hughes. Like, I mean, Demko and they got some names. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I, it's a, they have the games in hand, but it's a tough hill to climb. Um, and with that, we'll, uh, I'll just update everybody on the mass mutual East standings before we begin some other stuff. Um, and this is very painful, but as of today, April 25th, 2021, Pittsburgh Penguins are in first place with 67 points in 49 games played. They have, they are 32, 14 and three for plus 34 goal differential. Washington's finally been dethroned. They've been at the top so long. Uh, they do have a game in hand, 48 games played 31, 13 and four. They are 66 points plus 26 goal differential. The Islanders who are kicking tires in the mud. I thought if anything, they'd be challenging, but it's been all Pittsburgh. Um, since acquiring Palmieri and um, Sajak, they have not taken off like I thought they would. Uh, 48 games played, 29-14-5, and five, plus 23 goal differential for 63 points. Boston has a comfy lead, 60 points, 47 games played, 27-14-6, plus 18 goal differential. But those New York Rangers, who are six points behind and Boston does have a game in hand, are on fire. Uh, 48 games played, 24-18-6, plus 30 goal differential, 54 points. I saw 
excuse me, uh, Zabitijad scored two, at least two. They're playing Buffalo right now. I'm going to check the score for you. He had two goals. He's got 18 on the year, considering how the year started. Um, that's impressive. It's four to two Rangers as we speak, and Zabitijad has a hat trick. He has 19, oh my 19 God. goals uh, on the season. Uh, Adam Fox has 40 assists. Uh, Panarin's got 39. Like I mean, they're just Kako scoring. Uh, Lafreniere's getting in, involved. Like the, this team, the future is so bright if they can navigate some certain things and get their center and their goalie to pans out and maybe another piece on defense. Like holy cow! Um, it just if they make the playoffs this year, it just shows what they're capable of. Yeah. And this is all with that Anthony D'Angelo debacle at the beginning of the season. It's unbelievable. And it's just like I'm a little angry because it's like we went through the rebuilds quote-unquote, and this is what we, we're stuck with. They got the first overall pick – or second overall pick. For, they get Capo. We get Patrick. But then they make the playoffs lose in a whole BS, complete BS, and they get Lafreniere. So I don't, I don't want to hear nothing. Like, as, and then, of course, every college free agent either somehow winds up there. You know, like Adam Fox. I was angry at the time. I don't know why Hextall wasn't involved. Maybe, it sounds like he didn't want to – he only wanted to go to the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, but according to Kyle Hall, the Broad Street Hat podcast, he was ready to play for Ca- uh, um, Carolina, but he wanted to stay in school. I believe he went to like Princeton or something. And they were keen on that, which is kind of silly because they had a logjam at defense. So I don't know. I just thought that was odd because you look, he would he'd probably be like their best defenseman at least on his way, and that's a very good defensive team. Um, he's just killing it right now for the for the uh, for the Rangers. Um, that's enough giving them credit so rangers and then oh the flyers they almost have as many games played as they do points 47 games played 21 19 and 7 a minus 36 goal differential 49 points on the year they are currently losing to the uh underneath them new jersey devils same amount of games played at 47 they are 14 27 to 6 minus 48 goal differential 34 points buffalo 48 games played, 13, 28, and 7, minus 47 goal differential for 33 points. Um, So, I mean, this is the closest of the divisions from a grand grand scheme. Like you saw, Toronto's pretty much got them locked up. Vegas, you could throw Minnesota in there, but Vegas and Colorado, they got their things locked up. And we we talked about Carolina and the the Florida teams and – um, in Tampa and the Panthers. But this right here, I mean, there's a point between first with the Pe- uh, Penguins and the Capitals. The Islanders are only three points behind those those guys, three or four points behind those guys. Boston, it gets a little different. It's the difference between the league-leading Penguins and – or I'm sorry, the mass-leading Penguins is 67 and 60 with Boston. Boston would have two games in hand. That's not that crazy. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying they're going to take the division, but it's just showing how close it is. And when you look at the Rangers' points at 54, how many games they have played, they don't have really have any games in hand except for maybe one on Pittsburgh. They're they're six points back. It's it's a tall task, but the way they're playing right now, it ain't that crazy. And the Flyers are done. Put put a fork in them. But your your thoughts on the Mass Mutual Eats and how tight it is and how it's shaping out? It's funny since the Flyers dropped out of the playoff for uh, the top four. Uh, the the other remaining teams, Pittsburgh, Washington, Islanders, Bruins really haven't changed since then. Um, it's been a remarkably consistent division of the good and the bad with the Rangers starting out slow and then just kind of lighting the world on fire. Now, ultimately, it looks like they're going to win tonight. They'll be four back of the Bruins. The Bruins are going to have two in hand. Um, I still think the Bruins hold on. 
Uh, I think they're, the addition of Hall has really helped them. Um, Kevin Miller has been back in the lineup. He's been playing well. Um, I, I think Br- the Bruins hold on to that, but I, I didn't see Pittsburgh being at the top of this division. I know they made some moves in the offseason, uh, Kapman trading their first-round pick, but I, I really didn't see it. I thought they were more or less kind of coming to their end. Malkin's been hurt. He has had a, a bit of an up-and-down season. Um, the Capitals have been remarkably consistent all year. Um, same with the Islanders. You kind of know what you're going to get from those guys on a night-in, night-out basis. And then the bottom dwellers have kind of done the same. You know what you're going to get. When they play everybody else, they suck. When they play the Flyers, they look they look great. They look like they could be playoff teams. Um, final stretch here, we've got, what, eight, seven, eight, nine games left. I think our top four is going to be set. I think the Rangers probably make a good push at the end, but ultimately I think they fall just short. Um, but to me, they're a little bit ahead of where I expected them to be. Um, the other four teams, Pittsburgh's exceeding expectations, Washington to a point, um, but I still expected Boston, the Islanders to be fairly solid this year. But the Flyers have been by far and unequivocally the biggest disappointment in this division. Would you say the league? Uh, I would, yeah, because if you looked at a lot of preseason stuff, the way they finished last year, I don't think anybody really expected them to miss the playoffs. Um, I think they'd probably be the biggest disappointment. If I look around the league, I mean, Columbus has been bad, but did we really expect that much from them? To me, it's it's the Flyers. Too like uh, yeah, was that during the season like or very early yeah. in the season? Shortly after, but Columbus is right there. But to me, the expectations were, for the Flyers were a lot higher, and I think they're they've been the most disappointing. Calgary, to an extent, maybe Vancouver, um, but I got to say the Flyers are, in my opinion, the biggest disappointment in the NHL this season. I mean, yeah, it's a foregone conclusion for me. When you consider the how embarrassing a lot of the losses have been, it's not like they just aren't winning. That's They're a good point. Absolutely embarrassed. And it's, it's, yeah, the, it's, the games aren't were, close. It, it never mean, looks good. No, and we, we saw issues at the beginning of the season, and it was like, look, they're winning. We, they took those two from Pitt. And then they lost six to one to Buffalo, and you kind of like pumped your brakes for a second, but then they came back and <laughs> shut them out. So you're kind of, or maybe they, but maybe the Buffalo got to go. I can't remember, but they won. Excuse me. And then you're like, all right, Boston's good. And then they came and they took care of business against the Devils. And then after that, it just, I think they actually took care of business against the Islanders, but like they were giving up leads. Like they lost, they let points slip away from Boston. Uh, I think both games where the Islanders went to overtime, if not a shootout. Uh, and they blew leads, and then it just started that they just would do the same thing and would not win. Then they got hit with COVID, and then the Lake Tahoe debacle, debacle happened. You know, I think at this point they had two blowout losses: one to Buffalo, one to Boston. Or that was, I guess the I thought before Tahoe they had another blowout loss. They did. It was a uh, first time they played them. The second game it was like another six to one loss. It was like four nothing by the second period. But Tahoe, we had excuses. You know, we nobody was – Couturier's like third, second game back or something, and maybe, you know, everybody was out with COVID, so you're like, okay. Um, you saw the, the holes in the defense. But then it like they never – they got everybody back, and they never put it all together. Like, they never started playing normally. And it was like, this is, the, this is the team. This is it. And seeing that they 
never rebounded. They never figured out a way. The most you'd get is one win. And if you break down some of the wins, like after dropping 9 nothing to the Rangers, they come out to the Islanders. They go up 3 nothing. They gave up the lead and went to overtime. Or, or I, they won the game, but they gave up a 3 nothing lead. And either they won by the end of the third period or they won in overtime. I can't ex- remember exactly. And then they went right back to losing again, like the next game. Sam Moran scores his first goal. They beat the Rangers 2-1, to one, biggest goal, best day of his life. You know, and they go right back to losing. Like, it's unbelievable. They cannot be inspired. They can't play full games. You got Kevin Hayes coming out saying comments like, yeah, our, uh, our efforts there. What? Like, your efforts there? When? When was that? Like, this guy, his stats might be there. Like, they're not like, as good as they were last year, but they're not really that bad either. But when you watch him play, his forecheck's embarrassing. Like, if he waves a stick at a guy, you got to consider it a different <laughs> Like, where's the turnover? Like, Scott Lawton is really, like, the only guy who – and he's not finishing, which is killing it. But, like, yeah. he would have breakaways on penalty kills, you know? Uh, he's, like, the only one doing it. Hayes last year would skate around with that puck and kill, like, 38 seconds off the power play all by himself and then get, like, an offensive zone face-off because he shot it on net or something. I'm not seeing any of that this year. They're, they're like – I think they feel all the other players and the other teams are made of thorns because they won't hit nobody or do anything. And it's just – I didn't mean to go on a little bit of a rant, but, like, they're – and, yeah, I obviously have a vested interest, but they are easily the most embarrassed. It's the worst season, I think, in their entire franchise. Uh, you, I really believe that. Do you know the last time they won a game by more than one goal? I, I'd be guessing. Buffalo, February 28th. That's yeah, the last time – it wasn't in the month of March. Why am I That's, not surprised? The last time they won a game by more than one goal, they've lost game. They've lost by more than one goal nine times in that span. If, if that doesn't sum up a piss poor effort and just a a bad team, I don't know what else does. Because I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like watching the the Rangers game Friday. It's like four to one, another multi goal loss. And I'm thinking, when's the last time they actually beat a team by two goals? Or more. And I had to go back and keep going back. And finally, I saw those two 3 nothing wins against Buffalo, February 27th, February 28th. And those are the last two times. Oh, my. That's so embarrassing. Isn't it? It is, it is almost the end of April now. It's been it, yeah, in three days. Two months. In three days, it'll be two months. And it's like, oh, well, maybe we'll do it tonight. Let me just check in with the score for you real quick. It is still 2-1 to one at the start of the third period. Devils. So, I mean, they can't even win. Like, they're just – they're an absolute travesty. And uh, Fletcher better move mountains. There's going to be a ton of content of speculation on what this team should do in this offseason. I can't wait to get to it. I was doing the math in my head of how many games are are, uh, left, and you make a good point. Rangers, could they catch Boston? Yeah, but there's only like six, seven, eight games left. I mean, Mm -hmm. if this was a regular season, sure, but now – Nah, it's gonna be a tall task. They're gonna have to go. They're gonna have to have a really good record. Luckily, all these teams get to play the Flyers, so they're all gonna be getting <laughs> wins. So who, who knows how that goes? Um, so we'll get off of that. Those are your your current standings. Uh, we'll uh, kind of speculate on who we think is gonna make it. And t- correct me if I'm wrong, but you pretty much have. Do you think Pittsburgh takes the division, or do you think Washington reclaims that back? I'm going to say Washington ends up coming out on top. I, I think it'll be a race down to the end, but I still think Washington takes it. I, I have no ifs, ands, buts. I just think because God hates me that Pittsburgh <laughs> win the division. You know, like, that would be I a real like, kick. 
I just feel like this world is made of like nothing on TV. You know, you see good good guys always get it in the end. No, you got to you got to cheat. You, you know, you got to tank. You got to tank <laughs> for five years, and then you got to have a heavily lit weighted lottery, even though there was a canceled season. So you get, and then the guy, the team who does it right, has one bad year in their history, and they get JVR, not Patrick Kane. Sorry, that's that's a little that's a little bitch in there. I'll be honest with you, I was bitching a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I just see that. I just I see that. I'm just like it's it just yeah that's that's life. That's life. That's life. Um, I think it's Pittsburgh will finish in first. Capitals and Islanders they'll play each other in the first round. That benefits the Islanders. I think the Islanders should beat them. We'll, we'll see. They're a different team come playoff time. I think we're gonna see that. Uh, I think Boston will make it interesting, but I think the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh will take care of them. If the Rangers did get in, I would give them just as good a chance of beating Pittsburgh as I would Boston. You took the and words the right out of my mouth. Went undefeated. They would get they would get swept in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cause just cause. Um, any any different scenario than what I laid out for you? No, I I, I like Pittsburgh. It almost feels like they might, but I think Washington ekes them out in the end. Um, and I think to me, Pittsburgh matches up better against, uh, you know, I was going to say the Islanders, but I think the Islanders actually, whoever they end up playing, they might, they might be favored in that series and maybe a slight edge. Um, if Pittsburgh kind of goes on a tear here and finishes off when their last seven really hot, um, it'd be hard to bet against them. But I could really see the Islanders and the Bruins playing in the semifinals. Uh, I think both of those teams are built to win in the playoffs, at least early on. The Islanders, I still don't think they're going to have enough offense um, to beat the let one of the last other three teams if they were to come out of the East. And to me, the Bruins are that veteran team that's just – they're just hanging on until they get to the playoffs. And if I'm Pittsburgh or Washington, I don't know if I necessarily want to face either one of them. And at the same time, if the Rangers end up making it in, they're the hot team that you probably don't want to face in the first round anyway. So I don't know. I think I think it's going to both series that end up happening. I do think they're going to be six, seven game type of series. And I could see any team really coming out of this division. Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me anyway. Maybe Boston, unless they just continue to really kill it. Um, I, I'm pinning all my hopes on the Islanders because I don't want, I really don't want, I wouldn't mind the Capitals. I wouldn't mind the Islanders. I wouldn't, I really wouldn't even mind the Bruins. Um, the Rangers are going to be good Pittsburgh. for Yeah, just not Pittsburgh. Anybody and, but uh, Pittsburgh. With Carter, with Jeff Carter and his, oh my God. the Rangers. It'd be a cool story, and I like I'm jealous of like how their team is built, but they're gonna win in the future, so I can't have them winning. Yeah, I know, you know. Uh, Again, or a joke. So yeah, I'm pinning my hopes on the Islanders. Realistically, I I think they're just a different team in the playoffs. But no matter what team it is that, that comes out of the East, <laughs> they're up for a wake up call. Like I, I mean, unless some ridiculous upset happens, I can't see this team playing Toronto. I can't see this team definitely not – or these teams, rather, going against Colorado or Vegas or Tampa. Carolina or Tampa. Carolina. Like, I, I mean, no, maybe Florida I mean, if they get lucky. I don't think that's how it will work, though. But um, yeah, I think I think based on standings, if there's no massive upsets, they're probably going to wind up playing Toronto or the winner, you know, Vegas or Colorado. Yeah. Um, and I think that will – I don't know if they'll get swept, but it will be a wake-up call. Um 
yeah, so that'll do it for that. Uh, that's pretty much updated standings of the East and the whole division or league rather in their divisions in that regard. Um, so we, as you, we talked about on the last show and everybody knows Patrick Marlowe passed Gordy Howe for games played in the NHL. Um, you brought, we put on here some NHL records that will or will not be broken. And right now the 1770, I'm sure he's passed. Is that updated as today? Marlo? Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, we'll just say, do you think anybody's got a shot at that one? I don't think so. Joe Thornton is like a, a hundred-ish games behind. Unless he hangs on for like two more seasons and Marlowe retires, I don't know that he gets there. But like, if you think about it, that's a long time to play hockey. And I know guys are coming in younger uh, and, and starting their careers a little bit earlier than they used to. But at the same time, the league has gone a lot younger than when Patrick Marlowe started, where your 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 best players were usually late 20s, early 30s. And the league has gotten a lot younger. Your best players are in their early 20s now and everybody can skate. So it's going to have to be a guy that never really loses his skating um, and just kind of makes a career out of starting around 18, 19 and playing till he's in his mid 40s. But other than that, Marlowe's missed very, very few games. It's not like he's missed a couple seasons here and there and still rack that up. I don't see anybody ever touching that. Unless Joe Thornton is going to break it, I, I don't see that that record really ever getting touched the way the game's played now. Yeah, I'm, it's a hard pass for me. No, and Thornton's the only one who's realistically uh, capable because he was drafted around the same time as Marlowe was. <laughs> and the league, right. They've hung around. The league has been what it's been and morphed. Like you said, all these kids are uh, leading the leagues, but they're also made of glass. I mean, he's, <laughs> that's not fair. This, everybody hits. It's like they skate so much faster. They're bigger. They hit so much harder. And everybody's worried now. Like they didn't used to see CTE was not around really until what? Like 2000. It was a big thing in the NFL until what? 2010? Like yeah, started, around there. Now they, they try to suppress it. You know, there were leaks here, leaks there. Now, I, w- I mean, this is a league that if you told me by 2035, 2040, the fighting was taken out of hockey, I wouldn't be that surprised. No, you know? it wouldn't be shocking. I mean, that's the way they're going. They're going to keep their stars playing as long as they can. And then the, they don't want to be responsible for these guys after they retire and whatnot. And um, the fact is, like, look at Austin Matthews, how good he is. Like, he gets hurt a lot. Yeah. You know, he, yep. he gets, and he'll throw the body around. He gets hurt. Connor McDavid missed a big chunk of his rookie season with a broken collarbone. You know, I mean, like these young kids, they're they're good, but they're they're brittle, and it's because of the other players that just specialize in certain areas or they hit hard. They still can skate fast, and the, you know the big Shell Samuelsons of the past, like they're big brutes, but you go right around them. Like guys now, if you're talented enough, but like guys now, they do a little bit of everything. And some of them that can are big and can still hit. They might not be there on the score sheet, but they can they can skate. They can still skate. I'm not obviously talking about Justin Braun, but they can skate. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't realistically seeing anybody, even if they're I don't know. He was drafted in what 97, Marlowe? Yeah, I think it was 97. I mean, can you imagine a guy playing? He's played in four decades. Seriously, like a quarter of a century. Like that's yeah. insane. Like yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Like I no, I can't see a guy playing close to tw- twenty years is a, is a is tough, especially yeah. in this league. So uh, no, I don't I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they're gonna add any games or anything like that. Like the NFL, I don't think that's happening. Uh, move on. Points scored. Wayne Gretzky, two thousand eight hundred fifty-seven. Next. <laughs> no, <Yep. laughs> yeah. no chance. I'll ask you. <laughs> Not a chance. 
Not a chance. Uh, the real interesting one is goals scored. Wayne Gretzky, 894. Ovi needs 164 to tie. I'll just ask you, do you think he does it? And after that's all said and done, do you think anybody else sniffs at it? I'm going to say Ovi tops it. Um, I think the way we've seen Ovi play over the years, uh, he's never – like maybe the skating is the same as when he came in the league, but the shot – the fact that he can still sit at the that – uh, point uh, like the, the low points uh, spot on the power play and score at will. Um, I don't see his shot slowing down. Um, I don't see his goal scoring ability kind of going away or anything like that. I think as long as his body holds up and he doesn't have any real career threatening injuries, I think that record's going to go down. And I don't think anybody outside of OV is ever going to be able to, to rack up that many, those that many goals um, the way he's done it. Guys, he's a, he's a different breed. Um, he was built differently than most players. He's big. He skates fat. He's he's got some wheels. He hits, but his shot is lethal. And there's a lot of guys. Austin Matthews has a lethal shot, but I just don't know if the game is gonna lend itself to another guy putting up those crazy numbers year after year the way he did. So I think Ovi ends up breaking it. But at the end of the day, I, I think you might have some guys that you say, oh, if he if he stays on track, he might break it. But I don't I don't see it ever really happening. Yeah, I I, um, I think Ovi gets it, too. And I want him to. I really do. I do, I, too. To do it in this era is impressive. Um, and I already think he's the best goal scorer of all time. Um, therefore, he should have the record. Only things that could stop it is if he really does go back to Russia, which I really think is a a, a ploy. Like I just I, think, I think he wants I think he wants the record. I really I really think he you? is going to stick around to get it. It's hockey. Why wouldn't you? Like come on, right. it's the best record to have besides I guess points or the cup rings. You know what I mean? Like I, it or maybe MVPs, but like come on, it's who want, who doesn't like to score? Like it's it's the record. It really it when you think about it, it's the record. It is. I um, agree. And yeah, and do I think somebody could pass him in the future? Probably not. Uh, but if they start implementing some things I had read year, kind of like a couple of years ago at this point, uh, where they had talked about trying to get more goal scoring, they've already reduced the size of the goalie's equipment. You know, that was like step one. But I heard they were even going to remodel the goal post. So it's more likely if the puck hits the post that it'll deflect in. Like I heard things of that nature, rule changes, you know, back in the 80s, which, you know, I know that's when the goal scoring was easy. But you remember, does anybody even like some of our listeners, do you know what a two line pass was? <laughs> I mean, there was there was all sorts of rules and they just didn't want exciting play. But the, hockey was so open then it took the 90s coming into the dead puck era to make some serious changes. So I think there's a there's it's not one like the points record. Where I'll be like, yeah, no way in hell. Um, but it's going to be very, very unlikely. Um, we'll go to assists. Wayne Gretzky. He's got nineteen hundred and sixty three. Joe Thornton is a mere eight hundred and sixty four away. <laughs> That's only a Hall of Fame career, uh, essentially, and they still, you know, because you got to assume the guy would score some points, like goals. Uh, yeah, <laughs> There's, you can, I don't think so. Nope. No, not a chance. And another one I don't believe will be passed, and I'll tell you why. Goalie wins 691, as well as shutouts 125 by Marty Brodeur. Before I say my piece, do you think anybody's got a chance at that one? Nope, not even close. The way goalies are rotated these days and the way the game's played, they're making it easier for – Guys to score, um, uh, the two no two line pass or well you can make a two line pass. 
I don't see any goalie ever playing that many games. Like Flurry is fairly high up on the record. I think he's at like 430-ish in wins. And he's been playing for quite a while, and he was a workhorse. But I, I don't think we're going to see a workhorse like Marty Brodeur. And if someone were to get to 500, I don't even think that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, let's think about it. Like, if somebody were, realistically, to come close to this, they're playing almost every game, which is not a thing. Uh, they're they're staying healthy. They're like the exact opposite of Michael Norivirth, like bodybuild-wise. <laughs> Um, but also that means they're on a very good team because they got to get the wins. That's one of the most boring teams in hockey. And just like the Devils almost did, you could kill the NHL altogether. And they have stupid rules with the tri- the uh, trapezoid and you know all that crap. And while I respect Marty Bord- Marty Brodeur did, that team one built around him. They built from the net out. I mean, you had some of the best defensemen to come to town in Scott Stevens and Nina Meyer. And what have you. And, you know, they were a very defensive team through and through. Yeah, sure. Got them cuffs. It, most boring hockey. Like, it, horrible. And the league is, one, not going this way, nor should they. So the idea that anybody could have these stats, what it would mean for the team they'd have to be on and what they'd have to do. Um, I'm almost glad nobody would touch this because it'd be very bad for the sport. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know many people who like to watch one nothing two one games. I, I really don't. Um, so, yeah, that's that's those are some of the big ones. Um, obviously the Montreal's 23, 23 cups, I believe. I was confused with the Yankees world series. Uh, yeah, I don't too. think anybody's touching who's even close to that one. Like uh, who's number two on that list. Like that's a good question. Uh, it's gotta be another original six, probably Detroit. That's my guess. Yeah. That sounds about right. They had some great teams for a while there. Um, yeah. And then they, they've been winning throughout, you know, now they got CBY running the show. So hey, give them a couple of years. Um, yeah. So that is that, uh, we'll move on. We, t- we discussed the Kevin Hayes comments, a little bit about effort. It's kind of comical. Um, I guess these guys, they're robotic now. They just, they can't, they're not going to throw anybody out under the bus, especially themselves. Everybody's always, I don't know. They're always like, Oh, it's just they have this like roll with the punches mentality. And like, you guys are legitimately a joke. Like this roll with the punches mentality is, is terrible. Like I, it makes me so angry. But one thing I do want to bring up is Sealski's at it again. This is about a week and a half ago, maybe more. Um, he brought up, and I'll read you some comments here, some some thoughts on Jake and G's contracts and why I can't find this, I'll never know. I had it up. What the hell happened? Well, while I try to find the comments, I will update you with basically – um, Steve, if you don't mind, in 2000 and when did G sign his contract? Uh, kicked in. It looks like in 2014. So in 2014, he signed an eight-year. Oh, I got it right here. Okay. So he signed an eight-year deal with an average annual value of I want to say 8.25. Uh, 8.275. Yep. Two seven five. So then, then Vorchek signed the next year eight. And it was two point. It was like a little, slightly less, but maybe the years are a little bit off because Vorchek still got like five years on his deal, where Drew's only got two. So maybe it wasn't that he didn't sign it the very next year. Um, but I want to read you basically they're here for a long time, and this is what we've had. This is his comments. This is quote Mike Steelski. Ready? Quote. 
Ron Hextall was given less than five years to reverse a decade-long trend, and he repeated a mistake with Jake Voracek that his predecessor, Paul Holgram, made with Claude Giroux, allegating too many years and too much of the team's salary cap to a player who couldn't quite meet the measure of, of so great a commitment. The question is not whether Giroux or Voracek are good players. The question is whether they're good enough to take up so much of precious cap space for so long. Um, I'm going to read Bill Meltzer some uh, comments he made based off of this real quick, and then I'll let you go. I vehemently – this quote – I vehemently disagree with Mike Sielski that Paul Hogan made a mistake signing Claude Giroux to his contract. Three reasons. Reason number one, Giroux was coming off a Hart Trophy finalist season at the time the deal was signed. He was 25. To get cost certainty for him for eight seasons and keep it under $9 million for the duration of his prime was exactly the right thing to do. Two, he's delivered plenty of value over the life of the deal. The deal that included his career best, 102-point season, 2017-18, where it was a travesty that he was only fourth in the Hart Trophy race, has had an especially spectacular stretch drive, made anyone who played with him better. Three, Hextall spent four years focusing heavily on a needing a needed farm system rebuild. The big pro, the byproduct GM was to, was content to just keep enough in place to be a bubble team at the NHL level so long as it didn't cost the team picks or prospects to aim beyond reaching the first round. So I'll throw it to you. What did you think of CLC's comments and what did you think of Bill Meltzer's rebuttal? I think it's short-sighted and low-hanging fruit to criticize the Drew contract, um, specifically for this season. I think Drew has been everything you could ask of him uh, in terms of a, a flyer. He's played his heart out. Look, has he had the most playoff success since he signed the deal? Absolutely not. But at the same time, outside of last year, he was when they got in the playoffs, we clearly knew they were not a talented enough team to win. And he was basically trying to do everything he could. I think at the time they signed him, they were looking at the way the NHL was going. Um, they, the big deals were really coming out and players were getting paid. And Drew was in that category. Um, every time I know it gets old, we see the, the stats since whatever year, pick a year, 14, 15, 16, 17. You always see that stat. Drew is always in the top in terms of total points. He always shows up on that list year after year, and still, even when he's having down seasons, he still ends up hanging on that list. He was one of the better players in the NHL, and he's synonymous with the Flyers at this point in his career, and I'll say this decade of Flyers hockey. I don't think the Flyers had any choice. What do you want to do? Like That was going great at the time. I don't think they overpaid for Giroux when they signed the contract. I think their thought was, if they don't get that deal done, that deal could creep up north of nine million dollars. We we never we knew he was never going to be a, a forty goal scorer. We knew what his 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 bread and butter was. It was being good defensively, being good in the faceoff center, and dishing the puck out. So at the time of the signing, I was all for it, and I don't really think many people were against it. Quite frankly. Uh, I would sign that contract again. If I go back in time, I would still sign the same contract. Because, again, what's the alternative? You let him walk because you don't want to pay him $8.275 million over the length of the deal? I mean, at some point, you have to sign your big name free agents, and you hope that it's not a bad deal. And still, at the end of it, you see the, the spurts of the player that he was. I think age has caught up to him a little bit. Injuries. He's not the same player. 
but you, you didn't really have an alternative. It's easy to bash the deal at the back end of it. Um, when the guy's making 8.275 and not playing up to that number, but you got a lot of great years out of him early on. So to me, I think Sealski, it's, it's a, uh, what's the word for it? It's a clickbait. Yeah. Thank you. It's clickbait. You're, you're trying to be controversial about a topic that, you know, people are going to talk about. So I, I would sign that contract every day and twice on Sundays. Uh, I think Drew has been a great flyer. I hope he finishes career here. I don't know that it's going to happen, but I have no issues at all with the deal. And I appreciate Bill Meltzer stepping up and defending it because it was a crime that he didn't win the Hart Trophy that year. And it was even more of a crime that he was fourth out of the other three players. So I got no issues with it. I, I, I can't think of one GM who wouldn't have signed him. Right. Deal. Exactly. That's the thing. What was the alternative? You just say, eh, we're not going to pay you 8.27. You go out in the open market and you can get what you get. I mean, let's be honest. He probably would have gotten nine times seven. So I think the Flyers did what they needed to do. And I think it was a great deal at the time. And has it aged perfectly? No, but no contract really does. I don't know how. I mean, this isn't basketball. Giroux wasn't going to take the ball puck every night and just carry the team. You can't right. do that in, in hockey. Like you need a team. And at the time we were flipping over from the Carter Richard era. We had players like they unfortunately lost Yager, but they had a young Voracek. They had a young Couturier. They had a young Simmons and Shen, and they had a lot of young pieces. They were getting ready to build around. There was a lot of things that come into this. Like they never had a franchise caliber goalie. However, they had a a lot of contracts tied up in guys that were supposed to get him over, which did not help them in the short term. You know, like Havier is a Hall of Famer, but like he, he came to Philly. That was a horrible contract. Like now you're tied up. That's the cap where we had issues. Not Giroux. Right. It's not Giroux. Signings like that. Or Pronger retiring. Who saw that happening? Like that was a that was a freak thing. That, that set this team back more than anything. You know, the, the, Giroux, this is a this is a joke. He 100 percent lived up to this con this contract. Because first off, when you make a deal like that, that's eight years long, by around years four and five, the cap has expanded. Unless something crazy like COVID happens. But that again, in, in 2019, that wasn't really the case. Like when we started the season, that's five years in, you know, yep. like it was everything surrounding the team. And they never got this guy. Legit, and all where I'm willing to meet in the middle a little bit is with Voracek. You know, he made almost the same exact deal, which is like, eh. Like it's 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 close. I think he, Drew makes a little bit more AAV, like barely any, like it's barely noticeable. But he has not been, and I've always said this, a good enough Robin to Drew's Batman. He hasn't. Like he had a couple of, of breakout seasons where you again kind of have to pay the guy because you're not going to let him walk. But you know, seeing that he's making the same as Drew, uh, now you got two guys making that much of a cap. Okay, I, I again, do I think it was possible to win with those guys? Yeah, if you had a franchise goalie, if you had more pieces, if you had a farm system, if you built properly around this team. And as much as I like Textile for drafting, he did let this team rot at the NHL level, and we've always said it. They've wasted his Drew's career. It's not his fault. He's not going to not sign the contract, and they got him no help. They refused to get him any help. So pinning this on Drew is an absolute joke, and it's clickbait. Yeah, that, I feel the exact same way, Jake. That that one, I think there's an argument to be made, but at the same time, you're you're locking a guy up at a salary that you know, and you're banking on the cap increasing every year. The hockey was in a really good place. Um, the cap had been going up, and I think 
you couldn't forecast COVID and what happened last year and empty buildings and everything like that. So I, I think there's something to be said for cost certainty. Was was Jake the perfect, uh, like you mentioned, Robin to Drew's Batman? I think they're both pass first mentalities. If you had a maybe a JBR in his prime, what he was doing with Toronto, it, you needed a guy that's a shoot first mentality on the other side for them to work out perfectly. Ideally, I think G would be playing on your top line with two scoring wingers and Jake would be playing with a similar a player, um, a center that maybe shoots a little bit more and another winger that's that takes shots where he can be a little bit more of a distributor from the wing. But I really don't hate the contract. I know people hate on on Jake, but I think we know what he is. He's a player that's easy to ride when he's not playing well. But I still think at the time that it was the right move to make in signing him because what are you going to do? Again, you, do you just let him walk? Like, give me an alternative to signing him to the eight-year deal. you got to factor in the, the mindset that the other teams in the league are going to pay him this kind of money. Like it wasn't like the fire said, here, we'll give you eight, eight point two, And no other team was even with going to be within range of that. If Jake hits the open market, he's signing a deal. That's probably very similar to this. And you let him walk for nothing. So I think the Flyers made both moves that they had to make. And I don't really, I'm not going to bash either of the, the moves is Jake's contract aging a little bit more poorly yeah, because he just doesn't score as much as we would like him to. But at the time, I think they made the right move in both both situations. Yeah, I mean, as much as I – even at the time, Jake's uh, contract did surprise me a little bit, seeing it was like exact, almost exactly like Drew's. Right. But at the time, like, he was an up-and-coming stud. Like, he was he – was, you got to remember, this guy was like – Drew was what, the 22nd or 3rd overall pick or something? Yeah, right around Jake there. Was a t- Jake was the top, what, top 8? He was like he went like seventh or something. Like he, he was a top pick. He was a top ten pick. Like in yep. his his year. I want to say oh seven. Seventh. Yeah. And, seventh and oh seven, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, so the talent was there. You know, that's why they gave us so much for for Carter. You know? We essentially got Couturier and Vorchek and um I think it was Nick Cousins. We got a third round pick. That's who we got. Nick Cousins. Yeah. You know, for for Carter. So like the, the idea of trading for these young guys is they're gonna develop into these really good players. That's why you do it. Baseball does it all the time. They're like the ones who invented it, you know, and that we saw that happening. A guy drafted seventh overall is blossoming, blossoming into a legitimate player. We could bridge him now. And then which what probably would have been the right move. But if if he even accepted that, but like now you're looking at paying him 10 million a year. If things go the other way, you want to lock these guys up. I want to ideally I want what Nashville had with Roman Yossi first time around or what we have a Couturier. With the four million dollars for how six years or whatever it was, right. yep. you know, you're paying a guy now. You got a serious value. So locking a guy up at that money, knowing in the future the cap's going to go up, it's it's like GMing 101. It's what you do. Like this article is clickbait because it makes no sense. You know, it's so easy. Hindsight's 2020. Great. Who knew? Who didn't know that? You know. Yeah. It, so, if you're gonna give me an article like that, you want me to like respect your your opinion there and maybe see a viewpoint that you're trying to take, then give me an alternative. Don't just say, ah, we shouldn't have signed them to eight-year deals because they suck now. Uh, all you're doing is trying to get a view and, and get people talking about it. If you give me an alternative, all right, we shouldn't have signed Jake for eight years. We could have let him walk or traded him at the deadline and put the money into this player and this player. Like, 
it's not like it's year one of an eight year deal and Jake has five points and he can't skate like, or that that's what really annoys me about these kind of things. Like either provide me an alternative or say you didn't like the deal, but you understand it. Give me, give me that at least. Here, I'm going to piss you off some more in a tweet. Oh, I guess boy. in response to this email, he said Drew's contract kicked in during the summer of 2014. He then had what were at the time, the three least productive seasons of his career. And since signing the deal, he has two goals and 12 points in 28 playoff games. He's an excellent, excellent player. He's not a dominant player. Yeah, that's, I mean, did, did anybody sign him thinking he was a dominant player? I think he was dominant in the areas of the game that he, we already knew he was dominant is in, but it was Sielski expecting him to come out and start scoring 40 goals in a season. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that around the time where he had that wrist injury um, oh, preseason? Yeah, I that with the golf, the golf thing. Yeah. So yeah, it might have been one of his least productive years. But let's not forget the fact that he came into the season and really didn't have much of a training camp. So I, I still think it's just it's writing a story to be different, to be controversial. And yeah, you can say he had his three least productive, but and the playoff stuff, but we know who he was playing with the play, in the playoffs. And the playoffs are a different animal. If you don't have players to play with, you can't really put a team on your back. Like, look at the Oilers last year. You got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreitzeitel, and they get bounced in, what, three games to the Blackhawks? I mean, come on. The Blackhawks were the 12th seed. You were the 5th seed. So don't give me this about Giroux. Give him some players, and then if you want to criticize him in the playoffs and he's working with some of the world's best, all right, that's fine. But – when he's playing with scrubs and, and guys barely hanging on, I think Simmons had a, what, a torn groin and uh, working with one arm. Like, give me a break. All right. So you bring up a really good point about uh, McDavid. Uh, and that's a perfect example. Like one guy, and he's more than one guy there. It's Dreisaitl. It's two of the highest scoring guys in the league, and they can't do it. So yep. we expect, And they, you know, expecting Giroud to do it on his own is just ludicrous. So I want to bring up, I have the 2014-15 roster of the Flyers, Okay. So this is what Drew had to work with, all right? So some of these players came up and came down, but you'll catch mostly some of the important names. So the first name on here is Jason Atkinson. Oh, my God. A 29-year-old Pierre Edward Belmar. Excuse me, Braden Coburn, who, oh, by the way, was traded in a, in a you know, after either this season or the following to in a rebuilding move. Uh, Carl Kalak, I can never say his name. Polyakovo. Polyakovo, thank you. Nick Cousins, Sean Couturier, Melko Delzato, Ray Emery, Giroux, Shane Gossespierre. Um, I just hope they had his stats. He has no stats, so I don't even know if he – it wasn't his breakout. Nick Roseman, Blair Jones, Scott Lawton, Oliver Lordson, Vinny LeCavalier, Andrew McDonald, Brandon Manning, Steve Mason, Michael Roffel, Matt Reed, Zach Ronaldo, Braden Shen, Luke Shen, Nick Schultz, Wayne Simmons, Peter Straka, Mark, Mark Streit. RJ Umberger, Chris Vanvidelvi, Voracek, Ryan White, Rob Zepp. <laughs> like, okay. that, doesn't that sound like a star-studded roster? Uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a the coach. That uh, sounds like a great he, roster. Oh, I mean, who? How did they not win? Like, I mean, yeah, Craig Ruby was coached. He went 33, 31, and 18, 84 points, finished sixth in the NHL Metropolitan Division. That obviously did not warrant a playoff berth. Next Ooh. season. Dave Haxall's first year. 
Uh, they actually went 41, 27, and 14 for 96 points. They finished fifth in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, let me, and they lost in the first round, 42 to the Washington Capitals. This was the uh, throwing of the bracelets on the ice error. Oh, yeah. So here's some of the uh, the roster. Uh, a couple of returning names as Belmar, Cousins, Couturier, Delzato. They had Sam Gagne on this team. They had, remember Sam Gagne? Oh, Mr. Mr. Can't Finish. Um, Drew, this was Ghost's breakout season. Gudis was added as well in the trade with Coburn, which I alluded to when we mentioned him. Scott Lawton, the Cavier, still on the team. Taylor Taylor Lear was a little bit of a thing for like a hot second. I remember Andrew him. McDonald, Brandon Manning, Steve Mason, Colin McDonald, Evgeny Medvedev, oh. <laughs> Michael Neuvert, Mike, uh, Michael Roffel, Matt Reed, Braden Shen, Luke Shen, Nick Schultz, Wayne Simmons, Mark Streit, R.J. Ellenberger, Chris Vanavelli, Jordan Wheel, Ryan White, and Jacob Voracek. So again... Pretty much the same exact rosters last year. Breakout season from Ghost. They made the playoffs, got embarrassed by probably the top seed in the East. And again, I see no studs on that team out of besides really Drew. Drew, yeah. and what did Voracek uh, – I mean, Simmons had a 60-point season, 30 goals. Voracek had 55 points. He only had 11 goals. I know these yeah. guys are past first, but even Drew had 22 goals and 45 assists. Uh, yeah, and a whole lot of junk. Couturier, he had a pretty decent season, but again, he was 23 years old. Uh, and finally, this is the last year that uh, Sielski mentioned in his article. Uh, they went 39, 33, and 10 for 88 points, finishing sixth in the Metropolitan Division, missing the playoffs. Uh, I'm just going to name if I see a new name. And, uh, <laughs> really just Boyd Gordon. Uh, we never lost a face-off again because of him. Uh <laughs> Philpola was added to the team at that point. Uh, Robert Hag, <laughs> uh, Konechny, a uh, young Konechny, uh, Lubimov. Remember Roman Lubimov? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yep, he won one and done. Uh, pretty much same team. Sammy Moran. Uh, he's got no stats. I don't know if he actually played. Provorov, a 20-year-old Ivan Provorov. Um, Stolarz. Decione, and that's really it. Oh, wow. So they've essentially had a joke of a roster, clearly not going for it at the uh, NHL level. And this moron is saying that Giroux didn't live up to his contract when he had literally nothing to play with. And not to mention, guys like LeCavier and Chris Bronger were against this team's cap. Yeah. And there's probably even more that I'm not thinking of at this time. Like, there was just people – they didn't have cap for reasons like that, not because of Giroux. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think it's it's short-sighted and it's just saying something to say something. I, I, to me, G lived up to his contract and then some. It, would we like a cup with him? Absolutely. But I don't think they've been in the best position to do that either. So So where, where Silski did make a bit of sense is in this one tweet. He tweeted a picture of Fletcher and uh, Elay when he when he hired him. Fletcher, I quote, Fletcher had a poor offseason but at least he seems to understand that this team is cracked at its foundations. The changes that the Flyers need to make were not changes that Fletcher was going to make at the deadline, end quote. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty apparent. It's also <laughs> has nothing to do when, when these guys sign their deals. If that, you were a true. fan of the team and watched the team and followed the team, you know why they weren't successful. Now, that doesn't make this comment not true. They're, Drew can stay on the team. He cannot come back at $8.5 million. When I think he's still got next year, and then he'll be a free agent. Yep. Warcheck needs to go, in my opinion. 
He's got too many, too much time, too much money on that contract. Doesn't bring enough for the team for me. Guys like Bill Meltzer will come out and say, "Well, where are you going to get those sixty-something points? Eight and a quarter million dollars is a lot of money. You'll figure it out." Guys do step up. When the Phillies went out and signed Jeff Jenkins, it gave J- uh, Jason Worth an opportunity to step up and steal that job from him because yep. it, uh, Aaron Rowan was their guy. He went to the Giants. They moved Victorino to center field, and there was a position. They got this older guy and this younger guy, and then you got a, a star at well, somewhat of a star out of Jason Worth, and they won a World Series. That's what opportunity does. So I'd rather – instead of just hanging on to this guy and this mentality, I'd rather take that money, put it on defense or put it on somebody in free agency, make this team actually better, change the locker room makeup, which needs to be changed dreadfully. Unfortunately, they're a bunch of losers. Drew has tasted a little bit of victory. He has gone to a Stanley Cup final, and he was very good in that run, which nobody likes to remember, especially yep. Seals. You know? And it's like, yeah, the reason guys like Carter and Richards were able to get that team to the cup was they had Chris Pronger, they had Coburn, Team, and Briere. They had a, a lot of talent on that team. That's why they were able to get there. This, who's Drew had? Seriously, a very young Braden Shen. Simmons, he had a good run, but you need more than that. They were essentially had nobody on defense. Provorov came along too late. You know, and now we're seeing this bad mix that we have here. Bring Drew back at a cheaper price. Plays lower in the lineup. He can still be the captain. Get Borchek off this team. That'll change. And then maybe even some other guys get out of that locker room. But I, I can understand this tweet he makes here about the cracks in the foundation. Okay. But everything that followed that with the contracts is absolute hogwash. I'm with you. Uh, I couldn't agree more. So that's how we feel. I would like to credit Kevin – I thought it was Kincaid, but it's spelled a little bit differently. It is Kevin Kincaid? Kink, it's Kink. Kincaid. Not Kincaid. Uh, this is an article I got off of Crossing Broad. Uh, Mike Sielski versus Flyers Twitter again. That was published on April 13th, 2021. Thank you again for that. That's where I got all of the quotes and the tweets from. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we really got into it there. We'll see what happens. Uh, it is, we were about a little bit of an, uh, a couple minutes over an hour into the show. I'm going to check on the Flyers scores. Three, My three, three. Three Ooh. three going going to overtime. Wow, it would take a Herculean effort to beat the Devils. Zaka got a goal. <laughs> Drew got a goal. Wow. He's got two. Vorchek had an assist on both Drew's goals. Actually, JVR and Drew Vorchek had both assists. So there you go. Uh, look at that. Suck it, Sealski. Um, <laughs> but uh, I believe there was one more team playing. Uh, yeah, Rangers. Uh, Rangers officially. Yeah. Let's see if it's a bit of Jag getting any more goals here. So after that. Kako scored again. And it looks like it was Rooney, and that was it. Sam Reinhardt and Kako came two goals short, or I'm sorry, a goal short of hat tricks. Whereas Ibidijad had a hat trick. And Jerus, if he scores in overtime, I guess he could have a hat trick. Um, it won't happen. Anyway, so yeah, I think it's like, that'll do it for this week. Steve, do you have anything else? That's all I got, man. All I got tonight. Well, not too shabby. So, guys, please remember to like, favorite, and subscribe. I mean, pulverize that like button. And leave a nice review if you don't mind on iTunes. Uh, don't forget about our main shows with Jimmy, myself, and Kyle. Bright Side with Josh Bright and Jimmy. The Sheriff with Kyle and Sean McMorrow. They just had um, – oh, jeez. I'm going to drop his name now. Is he, uh, the Sharks enforcer. Curtis Gabriel. Curtis Gabriel. There we go. I'm going to say Curtis Raymond. I'm like, where am I even getting that name from? I think it was a UFC fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Curtis Gabriel on, and it was a juicy one. Please check that out. HW website at hwhockey.net. We are on the full press coverage app, Belly Up Sports. 
Highlight YouTube channel, HW On The Fly. Goodbye, gals, girls, guys, Flyers fans. Till next time.